Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Spooky or Spoopy Movie Review Show. In this series, we normally break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. But now is time for the Festival of Frights for Bats and Cats and Pumpkin Spice Nights. So we will be watching five movies and asking the question, are they spooky or spoopy? Joining me on this terrifying journey is my longtime fiend and the Freddy to my Jason, Sam. I'd like to smell you when you're 97. And since these are supernatural special editions, we also have the frighteningly funny, the face of Dave. You've been So sit back in your coffins and relax in your graves as we die into... The gate. <laughs> I hate All it. Right. <laughs> I, it's grown. It's grown on me like a mold. I love it now. <laughs> yeah, baby. Can't get away from it. So we are watching The Gate. This movie was released May 15th, 1987, directed by my Hungarian homeboy, Tibor Takas, starring Steven Dorff, Krista Denton, and Louis Tripp. Dave, this was your pick, so I believe you are the only person here whom I can ask the question, when did you first see this movie? I saw this movie when I was five years old. We rented it from Hollywood Video, and to this day, I'll still have a nightmare of somebody stabbing a Barbie doll through my eye. This movie really hit me at a young age, and I keep going back to it, and I have the same love for it every time I see it. Sounds like you have bad parents. My parents would never have rented this for me. <laughs> they, they didn't rent it for me. They rented it, and I watched it. I can't even picture Dad watching a horror movie, honestly. I know Mom didn't see this. There's no way. No way did Mom watch this movie, unless she watched it with me, which would have been wild. I do have a passing acquaintance with the dad in question here, and I know for a fact he does like some horror movies because we watched The Fog with him, we saw the remake, and he much preferred the uh, Carpenter original. My dad also likes the Prophecy series. The Prophecy movies, as far as apocalyptic Antichrist movies go, they are buck wild. Extremely. But the Christopher Walken of it all really brings it in. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Tibor Takic's, I can't say his name, Tibor Takic's The Gate. Two c***s. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, just like the shark. <laughs> just... <laughs> That's a very deep callback for when this is coming out, Sam. <laughs> I know. I imagine we're going to keep talking about it. Yeah, I don't think that the dual shark penis bit is going to die anytime soon. No. But time like, will tell. Yes, time will tell. <laughs> Even a broke shark penis is right twice a day. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, that's what they always say. Because of two wieners. Yeah. Because <laughs> they usually start it because of two wieners. Even a broken shark because penis is wieners. right twice yeah. a day. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's an old Pennsylvania Dutch thing. So was this a fresh watch for both of you? Is this the first time you've seen this movie? Uh, no, I never saw it. I uh, never heard of it. When you were five, I was nuns years old. You were not born. I believe I have seen bits and pieces, but that may just be me seeing it referenced on other media. But more or less a clean watch for me. Yeah, that you've been bad. I feel like that was something I've seen before, like clipped into something else. It was probably like referenced in like, early 90s TV shows where they had the movie on in the background and that would pop up kind of a thing. So The Gate, it's got your boy Stephen Dorff, but he is a young Stevie Dorff. He is a little BB in this one. Kind of giving me some young... A um, little bit of Feldman vibes. Corey Feldman, yes. Kind of got that same look of a generation, certainly. Your boy's first role. This is not the last we'll see of Steven Dorff. I believe 99 will be checking him out in Blade. Oh, man. We'll yes. see a whole evolution here. Uh, Steven Dorff is playing young Glenn, and we open the movie with him coming home to a spooky, empty house. For you Pittsburgh folks, he's wearing a, a Terry Bradshaw t-shirt, which is pretty cool. I miss that. Yeah, it's pretty dope. He heads out to his tree house, and this tree is struck by lightning, uh, and falls over, whoops it ups. it's just a dream. Or is it? Idyllic cul-de-sacs are the most dangerous places to live as far as demons are concerned. The nicer it looks, the more demons live underneath your trees. Every time. So, 
Glenn wakes up. There's a great man, a pitch perfect uh, 80s shaggy dog. This guy. He's so adorable that you know nothing bad could happen to him. <laughs> My dude, Angus. He's a good dog. But the tree apparently was not exactly a dream because it did fall over in the night. Now, did you guys think any kind of way of Glenn wandering unsupervised amongst like this full scale construction that's been going on in his backyard? He's awfully close. I feel like it would fall on the construction guys to say like, hey, kid. We're in the middle of something here. It was buck wild. The smoke is coming out of the tree. And he's like, I'm just going to stick my head over this real quick to see what's popping out here. As a child, I would have never done that. First off, I don't go outside, even as an adult. But as a kid, I definitely didn't want to. I would have not been playing around that tree after it fell. Assuming that in the dream, that treehouse was in the shape that he knew it to be in. It was pretty suspect construction. So Here's my thing. I could not suspend my disbelief. Maybe as a kid, I could have. But as a full-grown adult, there ain't no dang way that tree removal service was there before my dude even woke up. No chance. Mm -mm. They'd be like, they're like next Tuesday. Unless it fell into the street, (laughs) nobody was going to be there. Okay, that is true. But that was a bit of fantasy. The small demons in the portal to hell. Fine. I'll buy it. Right. Fine. They were there before 8 a.m. by the look of this. No way. (laughs) So... After a quick jaunt among the backhoes, he does find a part of a geode (laughs) that has some ghost stuff comes out of it. So he goes and grabs his pal, Terry, who, with Glenn's help, they dig up the hole and they accidentally do a Chekhov's blood sacrifice via Splinter. This movie's full of Chekhov's stuff. Yeah, they set up a lot of things. They knock them all down. But this is when I knew immediately, okay, this Glenn... He's a superhero because my dude had a probably six inch splinter in mm-hmm. his tiny little child's palm and he pulls it out. He didn't even blink. Oh, so gory. It was a very deep and very big splinter and he just pulls it out like nothing. I have no problem later with mom's pumpkin head falling off and shattering. I do have a problem with him pulling that big splinter out in close up because that's more realistic. That's a thing that can happen and mm-hmm. it's horrible. This is about the most disturbing part of the movie right here. And that's another foreshadowing moment, his bloody hand. Yes, yes, yes. So anyhow, they get to dig and they pop some blood in there. And Terry pulls, yet again, another superhero. Because my dude pulls a geode out that is the size of a beach ball. Easily like 300 pounds. But Terry just yoinks that thing right out of the hole. And a bunch of spooky bugs come out. It's pretty cool. It sets up a running theme that happens basically throughout where their bug zapper just is going nuts. Terry puts those moths inside of a jar without any holes in it. And Glenn gets real mad at him. Yeah, okay. So yeah, let's let's get into this real quick. He says that it's pretty cruel, and then he keeps it on his windowsill. He just keeps it. <laughs> he says, oh, oh, Terry, you're being a little, oh, that's a little, that's a little cruel killing these moths this way. It's a science project, Terry says. And then Glenn just goes, you know about that? Let me hold on to that. I want to watch these. I mean, you've done it already. There's nothing I could do. I'm just going to watch these bugs die. So he's complicit. He is complicit. Definitely. He called it out and then kept it that way. All right. So it's not only going to be Glenn and Terry on this little light horror jaunt. We got to throw one more hat in the ring. Al, Glenn's older sister. Alexandra. (laughs) Al. The biggest eye roll ever. That is one of my favorite kind of tropes. You love to see that when you've got like a like an Al or a Charlie. I think that's great. It just gives the character a vibe immediately. Mm-hmm. And Al is Krista Denton. I think she does. She's got a great big sis energy here, but she convinces her parents to let them stay there alone without calling a babysitter, and they agree. But as the parents in a movie do, they make her promise no parties. Smash cut. Raging party. <laughs> I did think was funny was that the dad was like, you have to fill in that hole. And if he even like took one look at that, it's probably a very deep hole. And mm-hmm. and he has it filled in by bedtime. It's literally a portal to hell. <laughs> and he, he fills that sucker in before he goes to bed. And also, do you know the parents' names? No. Mom and dad. They did not get named. Not one adult gets a name in this movie. Well, that's great. That takes me to my parody pointer. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so soon. Yeah, I just figure we'll get it out of the way. Yeah, okay. Because there obviously isn't one already for this movie. 
So it's one okay. of those situations where we, I feel like we had to create our own. And uh, I think a good way to do that is to have the movie follow mom and dad on their little swinger vacation over the weekend. And they would call it The Gape. Or Her Gate. No. The Gape. They're both bad. The the gape, the gape is quite visceral, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy, unclean, be gone, giant pulsing butthole. <laughs> you have to back mask that, and so we could play that later on the recording. Unspeakable. Unspeakable. Unfathomable. <laughs> I hate everything. And as you said, it does a smash cut to the party. And house parties in the 2000s were like way lamer than 80s movies prepared me for. What age are the, the main teens in this? Like Al and her friends. She turned 16 in two weeks. She just turned 16. Yeah, or whatever. She's. But my favorite thing before the parents leave, they're like, Terry's a little weird because of his dead mom. And that's all the exposition you get for why Terry is the way he is in that movie. Terry's a little shit, basically. You get a little more exposition into that later. Terry tells Glenn like a scary story and says when the house was built, a workman died and they just buried him up in the walls. And his dad says, ah, yeah, Terry's just making that up, dude, because like his mom died. So he's kind of like crazy. So grain of salt with Terry. And Glenn goes, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, he's confused. He wants you to be confused and a little scared, too, because he is. He's just a kid. It's kid Mm -hmm. stuff. This party should have scored my man Glenn mad leverage for the rest of the movie and it didn't really i was thinking like oh the next obvious thing is glenn gets to do whatever he wants because he's like i'll tell mom about this party and that's it blackmail stuff yeah well glenn's a little pure-hearted which comes up later so it never occurs to him big props to terry i love his energy he's like yo let's get down to that party glenn's like dude we're eight what are you doing the party that has degraded into a campfire story party (laughs) yeah Oh, they they're like yell. dancing, having a good old time, and so, then they're like, "Yeah, they, they're dancing, drinking, having a good time, uh-huh. and do campfire stories like in front of the fireplace." Like, it's let's just sit down and then let's get this seance mood going. Let's get into that, but first, so this is a sixteen-year-old party. Is the vibe they're going for here? It seems like this should be maybe like kids making out in like a closet or something, but no, these kids are raging. They are going hard. I haven't been to many college parties that these these cats were going as hard as. It's big party stuff and Al's running around like, oh, use a coaster, guys. And like someone breaks a vase or some shit. But then immediately, have you ever been at a party that devolved into a ghost story? And not like at a campfire. Just Never. in the living room. Everyone just no. stops absolutely raging to then tell ghost stories that's insane glenn and terry are just listening to it and glenn turns to terry it's one of the more like touching moments he goes you believe in all that stuff and terry just nods and he goes me too you can clearly tell they're horrified at this 16 year olds making up a story about light as a feather stiff as a board i just love that moment in the movie before we get to the seance where it was like the the weird chick's time to shine and she took it a little too far but before we get there during the party scene the adr there there is some absolutely ridiculous stuff going on there i believe i heard someone say while they're panning through the party there's adr of someone saying that they crashed their car and then immediately followed by saying somebody get that dog a beer he just totaled his car that was brutal hey somebody get this dog a beer this movie is just chock full of adr too i think i missed that because i was just so taken by that moment so they give the dog a beer. The dog that's 97 years old or whatever. It's like 17 years old, 97 in dog years. Math doesn't check out. We are at the moment when they're looking at the big <laughs> humongous geode that they pulled from the earth and carry it up to their bedroom. And try as he like, Terry cannot crack this baby. Nope, he cannot. He doesn't even make a dent. And then Glenn says, let me take a shot. Grabs that hammer, hits it once, and the thing splits open like an egg. It was a pure-hearted moment that they are alluding to later. Very King Arthur-like. Arthurian. Very magical here. And the geode cracks open. (laughs) Well, basically explodes with purple smoke, and their hair gets blown back, and Terry's like, Maybe it just got compressed air when it was being formed or something. Like, dude, (laughs) come on. It glows, it's ominous, and then Terry's like, Yo, let's go get some beers. 
and they head down. And this is that part in every party after the dancing and the drinking. I'm guessing this must be after the frozen pizza stage of of a party when it goes into a campfire. Mm-hmm. Scary stories. And minor witchcraft. Yeah, minor witchcraft. Because... They don't know, but the stars have aligned. They've cracked the geode. The chosen one has arrived, and they're trying to do some light as a feather, stiff as a board with the guy, and they're not even trying. They're sitting down and just, like, tickling his armpits. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they get Glenn up there, and they float him so good, he bumps into the ceiling and then breaks light, and he falls on the ground. Everybody, like, points and laughs at him and basically calls him a baby because he starts crying, and he runs away. How are the 80s so glib? This kid literally floated so quickly <laughs> into in the a air? ceiling, broke, in the oh, air. broke glass, and then fell uh-huh. from what, 11 feet? And they're just yes, laughing at him and least. making fun of this seven-year-old who's crying because he just got yeeted by a demon. Amazing. And then he he's like, Al, we got to call mom. And she's like, why? Because of the floating? Because of the levitation? Are you fucking kidding me? What are you, a baby? Is this your first float? Yeah, could be a baby that we accidentally floated you with some witchcraft. Maybe chill about it, huh? I wonder if he stole fizzy lifting drink, and that's why he floated. That would explain the demons. Mm-hmm. What's the Willy Wonka chocolate or confection that makes demons come out of a hole in your backyard? Everlasting Godstopper. Infernal Nerdrope. Eternal Scrum diddly umptious. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty devilish uh, stuff. The party has to stop because some kid flew through the ceiling. You know, Al's little brother got all freaked out because we accidentally floated him through the air. The party leaves. They head out. Terry, so it's the middle of the night. Terry goes to take a little night piss and sees a vision of his dead mom. While Glenn wakes up and he's seen some spooky bug stuff. He's seen some scary stuff in the walls. I love the practical effects in this movie. The creature behind the wall, so cool looking. The effects are pretty amazing, I've got to say. There's one really bad effect, but we'll get there. Yeah, well, is it bad or is it perfect? Terry's mom stuff was pretty (laughs) messed up. Killer acting job by old Lewis. They've set up that his mom died earlier and she's like, oh, Terry, come here. And then they're like holding each other and they're dancing and it's like beautiful and the lighting. It's, oh, it's great. And then... All of a sudden, whoops a dups you're dancing with a dead Angus. Sorry about it. Yeah, he just throws Angus to the ground <laughs> like a sack of taters. He does then yeah. suplex him. <laughs> it went from moving body to dead weight, though. So, I mean, how lately could he have dropped that dog? That dog was huge. I don't know if it's really good or really bad, but how well Glenn takes the death of his dog at presumably the hands of his best friend. Yeah, Glenn takes it pretty well, all things considered. He did keep saying how old the dog was. Yeah, he was really old. Yeah. He was 97. They don't live much beyond that. Which means his parents are really morbid about the dog in the first place, that he even thinks that way. Exactly. Like, well, I'm not going to get attached to him. He's going to die in a week. Maybe it's been to the vet a lot or something. Yeah, he takes it in stride, but he's a pure-hearted hero. So now, in my watch of this, I was watching it with uh, commercials. So there's a commercial at the beginning. The the next commercial happened. Terry is dancing with his mom. Dead dog. It falls to the ground. Hard cut. We're in a progressive commercial. Oh. (laughs) Oh. It is the most ridiculous. Was it a pet insurance commercial? Yeah. (laughs) At Progressive, we love your pets as much as you do. So yeah, we cut back from the progressive commercial. Glenn is pretty chill about it. And everybody's upset. The friends, the shitty friends come back and then dunk on Glenn. What are you, sad your dead dog is still here? Because your dog died literally 20 seconds ago. That eye roll whenever it was like, oh, Angus died. And then the one sister is just like, whatever. <laughs> like, jeez. <laughs> the 80s were cold. They lay into this like, what, 10, 11 year old kid? And they hang him out like laundry, man. They fuck him up. Concurrently, we get a little bit more exposition into Terry's home life. He gets to his house. Yep. He lives in, in squalor. On, yeah. <laughs> there's a little note on the fridge that says that Terry's dad is on a business trip and he misspells business, which leads me to believe he's not really <laughs> on a business trip. <laughs> No. I think that, yeah, the house sucks. There's old pizza that Terry munches on. That he eats. It's not a good situation. So I'm guessing his dad has been really taking his wife's death really bad. Yeah. Danny did it in 
Ninja Turtles, now Terry again, really going in on that. So he spells business B-U-S-S-I-N-E-S-S for the record. <laughs> Busting this. You guys look too deeply into this. I'm just enjoying the ride on this movie. I love this movie. Every time I see something on the screen, I'm not a very fast reader, so I, I immediately pause. I'm like, okay, what's this thing say? Okay, and then I'll hit play and then I can relax. Yeah, well... Terry, he's trying to rock away his sad home life. He's got a pretty red room for an 80s kid. He's got a full music set up in there, which is pretty chill. Uh, and he's listening to Sacrifice. Sacrifix. Sacrifix, excuse me. I would definitely have this record if it was real when I was a kid. This is the kind of music preteen day was into. It's like jamming out, and then it kind of vamps for a little bit. And then it goes into a voiceover narration with music in the background. And Terry lip syncs the whole thing. So he knows this album back and forth. And he starts lip syncing this little transition thing. And it's talking about there's a passageway between our physical world of light, pleasure, and their spiritual world of madness and pain. A gate behind which the demons wait for the chance to take back what is theirs. <laughs> And he goes, oh, my God, that's me. And he's like, your name will be Terry. And he's like, oh, shit, your friend Glenn. Oh. Maybe it's not that bad, but, but um, <laughs> it was pretty close. <laughs> I really <laughs> I really forgot how pervasive the satanic panic was at that time because it even brings yeah. in like the back masking, mm-hmm. which everyone was certain every teen was doing, summoning demons or trying to. But it was very on the nose with some of those symbols. This was the thing that killed it. They were like, nah, this this isn't real. <laughs> Nobody's doing this. This might have been the thing that killed the satanic panic. I see now, watching this movie, how ridiculous this is. Our bad. Yeah. We did a whoops. So a lot of this stuff is happening at the same time. So Terry's realization is happening while Al's friends are trying to convince her to go to the beach because they party every single day. No, they go hard. And she's like, well, no, because I got to do something with the dog. You know, someone's going to take Angus to the vet or something so they can dispose of him or whatever. And uh, the one buddy basically just like, yeah, I'll do it. Are we moving past him calling the kid an F-A-G? <laughs> yeah. Cause, well, okay. So yeah, let's well. just say this. This is like a... Uh, time capsule for uncoolers things to say. <laughs> Glenn's been taking a lot of shit from these guys. They're busting his chops pretty hard. They're really giving it to him on all levels. And at this point, he has had enough and he does do a transgression. Yes. He gets them done right back to him later. There's quite a few. True. Yeah, I mean, for PG-13, there's quite a few slurs in this one. So I guess this is Glenn's cardinal sin. Yeah, so it's not great. So now I guess they can all be punished. They do get theirs. The reason I took it to the guy carrying the dead dog around is because the scenes are kind of interspersed throughout the next few things. So I just wanted to take that one to its logical conclusion. He says, I'll take this dead dog. He throws a shotgun in a blanket, barely. Mm -hmm. And he rides it to the vet that's closed. And his, his instinct was like... It should have been, and I know this is terrible, but you could stop in a million dumpsters and just continue about your day and just say you did the thing because there's no accounting for it. But instead, he's like, you know what? I'm going to take this the whole way back to their house. Why would he bring it back? And throw it in that big hole that's covered by like a piece of a treehouse door. Which Terry and Glenn can move with no trouble at first, and then toward the end, it becomes way heavier. This is my second big suspension of disbelief point, because is this guy such a fucking dumbass? Not even a dumpster. He could have just gone anywhere and just kicked it outside. Anywhere. Side of the road. Someone's going to take care of it. You know what I mean? Into a creek? Anywhere. Anywhere at all. Because he's going to take care of this dog so he can hook up with this girl. They're trying to position Al as a match for him. So he's like, oh, you know what, baby? Don't worry about it. I'll take care of this. Why would you take it to the vet? I don't know, but whatever. So he takes it to the vet. They're closed or the animal rescue. But yeah, he brings it back. And not only does he bring it back, he's walking around their house. No one's around. So he just like kicks open the fence. Papoosh. Looking around, he's like, oh, there's a hole already. (laughs) Throws the dog in the hole. Doesn't bury the dog. No. Just puts the two by fours that were over the hole back over the hole. So in what reality is someone not going to look in that fucking hole? What is this? Dude was trying to smash. He was like, "Uh, there's no way this could come back to haunt me. 
This is real short-term thinking here. So I have the fun fact for that. The fun, horrible fact. Okay, okay. Is that when Eric was supposed to carry the body of Angus around the garden to be buried. Oh, God. Is it about the fucking corpse? The actor struggled to carry it because of the weight. So the set designer brought it to a local taxidermist to have the organs removed to make it much lighter. Organs? What? Organs removed? So it was actually a dead dog he's carrying around. (laughs) He used a real dead dog with no organs? Yeah. They used a real dead dog. Where did they get that? My guess, they find the dead dog first. Okay? Then you find a real dog that's about the same, and then you use the real dog for the movie and have the dead dog as a prop to carry around. But when they determine that the dead dog is too heavy, they have organs removed to the taxidermist. They shut down filming and said, okay... You know what? Let's schlep this thing off. Let's have somebody yank the guts out. We'll bring it around so you can carry this dead fucking dog. Why? Just have a blanket. Put him in a garbage bag or something. You can get the idea that he's walking around a dead dog. They needed a realistic weight, I guess. It's a real dead dog. Although now I'm kind of curious why the taxidermy initially would leave the organs in. Holy shit. I guess they skipped that step. They must have just had a fucking dead dog. This is buck wild information. Did they kill that dog? Is Hankus dead? Is that why he doesn't have an IMDb? Unless they shot out of order, I'm going to spoiler that and say no. I certainly hope not, but I would think that if they did, that would have been in the trivia. (laughs) 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 I would think think that that would have made IMDb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Oh, shit. All right, so I just wanted to take that storyline to its logical terminus, and then we can get back to Terry telling Glenn all of his findings. Guys, I can safely say, dirty nerdies out there, that's probably about as spooky as this yeah, whole we thing. Just, we just reached spook by accident. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's, I mean, we're going to watch some scarier movies, but I think that's the most horror that we're going to mm-hmm. have. Let's put it that way. Wow. Oof. Oof. We better, uh, boy. It's probably a good place for a commercial break. <laughs> I wanted to come back to Sacrifix's picture book. That thing was like 30 pages. Yeah, well, I think that they have the dead book or something. They took as many excerpts as they could and put it in there. With those symbols that were in that geode he broke open. Yes. Okay, so this is where Terry is trying to explain. He knows what's going on. I got this Sacrifix album. It basically tells you start to finish everything that's happening right now. There's levitation. Here's a picture of the geode, which I think was pretty loose. It was just like a little circle on the picture. And he said, well, there's the geode. And then there needs to be like a sacrifice. It doesn't have to be a human. And that's whenever they show the dog again. So that's why they intersperse it. But he says basically that this band knows about this evil book and they used that evil book to make their lyrics for their album. The band only had one album and then they all died in a plane crash. He says at one point that the book is basically the Bible for demons. And I thought that the Bible for demons was called the game pickup artist book. Pretty good. (laughs) Yes. Here's another one of Chekhov's things though. When Glenn's all pissed off that everybody's being mean to him, He throws that toy rocket that Al was supposed to shoot off with him behind Mm -hmm. his bed. All those kind of things are happening concurrently. And it's when they're looking through the book and he's like telling him about it. And there's like that weird little magnetic etch-a-sketch pad that has the demon symbols on it. And they're talking about it. So Angus is a sacrifice, but they're like, it's all good because we would have to put Angus in the hole. We would have to be so stupid as to throw Angus into the hell hole in our backyard. (laughs) (laughs) The literal steaming hell hole. (laughs) But he chucks this, now what I know to be actual dead dog, so fucking callously in this hole. They're like, and we would have to put him in the hole. Boom. Cut. Chonk. Body slam. And then he puts the door back on it, and then the, the lock on the door literally shakes loose, as to say, dummy, you just sacrificed a dog. He just opened the gate. A legit real dead dog to these fake dead demons. Now I'm thinking the rest of it is actual documentary footage. It's possible at this point. Because they did make a real blood sacrifice. Yeah, so there's a little bit of spooky wind, and next thing you know, we got demons, baby. There's a little heartwarming moment where Al comes home with a shopping bag, and she didn't go to the beach. Instead, she went to the store and spent all her money, and turns out it's another rocket for her little bro, because she feels bad she's been giving him the short shrift all Mm -hmm. weekend. And they have a little touching, like, montage of lighting off rockets. At this point in the in my notes, I have, Al better not fucking die. <laughs> no, yeah. Well. Well. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then the uh, the Lee sisters come back, and they're, again, they're just back and forth with young Glenn, just insulting him. And it, I just wrote down a couple of these insults. Glenn says, Suck my nose till my head caves in. It paints a picture. It's visceral. Uh, 
she calls him a dwarf, and I wrote more like a Steven dwarf. Oh. Thank you. (laughs) Then some more spooky stuff happens, and Glenn and Terry go look through a closet and find an actual Chekhov's gun. Yeah, they do find, they're playing with a shotgun, and Terry's like, oh, let's play with this. And Glenn's like, ah, you know, he's the good kid in the commercial. And he's like, we shouldn't do that. My dad says not to touch it. And Terry is about 30 seconds away from becoming that kid in The Sixth Sense. Yet again, Glenn, our hero, steps in and saves my dude's life. There's just so much stuff that they just like have to <laughs> circle back to. And they, like you said, they hit every single one. It's not bad devices. They hide it in the cupboard with all the other stuff. It's all obvious setups, but in the same way, they're using not a lot of space pretty intelligently. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff seems a little heavy handed and things like that. But I must say all credit to the director because all of the things are set up. And you understand the geometry of the house. You know where all the rooms are. You know where that closet is by the time it becomes a set piece again. So it is very like, here is the thing. Pay attention. This will come back later. But it all does get used. So it's a little ham-fisted, but the gears run extremely smooth. And I got to say, these young folks take all the spooky stuff in stride because they still try to go to sleep at a normal time. In their bed, Terry's next to him in a sleeping bag, and they're reading this sacrifix book of the damned from right to left, I might add. And then moths come flying through a window, and they're just sort of fine. Now, I guess we got to kill demons now. They're just fine the whole time. There's no, like, visible panic that I would definitely yeah. have well, if one thing happened. The window shatters, and he does run to his sister to say, like, hey, it's happening, man. He leaves Terry for fucking dead. <laughs> He's out. But it's like a trope where, like, something crazy happens. You go and get someone. They come back, and everything's fine. They kept everything broken. The window is still shattered. Everything wasn't fine for sure. All this stuff was happening for sure. There was no metaphor in this movie. First, we see Terry's mom turn to a dog. And then now they're shaking Terry's sleeping bag, trying to wake Terry up. And then Terry pops up behind them. And then they lift up the sleeping bag. And (sighs) lo and behold, it's the ding dead dog again. It's that ding dang dead dog. Which is now is a little fucked up because that's a real ass dog. Actual dead Angus. (laughs) Per IMDb, there's many a slip when it comes to people who add their own edits to there. So who knows? But if true, if true, horrifying. (laughs) That's true. Well, let us know out there. If you know more about this dead dog scenario, absolutely write us in and let us know. All right. So shit is popping off. Big long arms are reaching out from under the bed. Everybody's up now. This may be premature, but I wrote a freak cute. A freak cute, like the demon, a freak. Yeah, a powerful gin or demon and a freak. I like that. A freak cute. I really like that. Proud of you, brother. If we ever a get to cover cute. any of Neil Gaiman's books, we could talk about a different a freak mm-hmm. cute. But uh, you American mm-hmm. gods fans mm-hmm. out there know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For now, we'll leave that alone. Don't worry. A lot of bad stuff's happening, but mom and dad came home. Yep, they go outside, which is smart. Normally in horror movies, they run upstairs. In this case, they ran outside. In this case, they were upstairs. They had nowhere to run but downstairs. Well, they could have gone to an attic or something. You never know. People are dumb in movies. Yeah, I guess. Go to the rooftop. They go outside, and they see their parents. Everything's going to be good. Uh Uh-oh. You've been back. Yeah, this goo parents. They came back early from their bussiness trip. Faces melting. I don't know how they did that. The effects of that face melting was... Super cool. All of the effects are great. It looked like there would be a smell involved in that effect. You know what I mean? That would have been upsetting to everybody on stage. Dang, these effects are tight. I saw a budget of six mil. I would say like 10 would be like good for like a medium level. But if there's six million dollars here, it was spent wisely. And then we get to see some tool video clay minions crawling around. Oh, the little boys. You say clay minions. Uh Man, A, they're really cute. B, Yes. Per IMDb. Indeed. Those are dudes in rubber suits using, they used force perspective. Amazing. You can tell sometimes, but for the most part, it's pretty flawless. Except whenever the arm falls off, that would be clay. For sure. But the force perspective looks really good. Because it turns into little spermies and they go under the door. 
Yeah. Now, yeah, it's pretty obvious when that happens. It looks like fucking, um, what was that Nickelodeon show? Alex Mack. Oh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit of Secret World of Alex Mack. But that was like CGI, but there was like a claymation show. That kind of weird shit happened, but it looked like one of those. Kablam? Yeah, there you go. It looked like some Kablam shit. But other than that, I like the little boys. There's these little demons that are running around doing all kind of stuff. I really love when they try to call their parents finally and the phone catches on fire and like falls apart and melts and it melts on the wall. And it's so cool. You see it in a bunch of different shots because it dripped on the wall like wax. And then you can see it in the background of other shots. Lots of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Then Terry lets out like there have to be two dead people, two sacrifices of humans to make things go bad. And those Lee sisters are like, I guess we better go hide by ourselves. Those two, that was really Yeah, dumb. well, the one says... <laughs> What the hell are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds just like that. And also the Lee sisters are both biblical historians. No, well, they went to Sunday school. They lose all their notes or whatever, right? So the next best thing is, we'll just grab a Bible then. And the Lee sisters, they know, because they went to Sunday school, pick a passage. Um, but real quick, there was a moment where they were in the house and the power is out and it's dark and they're hiding in like the basement and the camera panned past some family photos. And now as it's panning past again, all of the family photos have been spoopified and they have like red eyes and like horns and stuff. Fascinatingly enough, Al's like, what do you see, Glenn? And he's like, ah, nothing. <laughs> yeah, he just sort of like, let's just move past this. He's not like, check this out. He's like, yeah, whatever. This is just another one of them things. Glenn's had enough. He found out he's yes. the pure part. He's the <laughs> yeah. one that has to do it. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's just had like... Enough. He doesn't care about any pictures. It'll be fine. He is a steady hand on the tiller throughout. Okay, so they go out to the hole. The sisters bees out. They're like, well, we don't all need to do that, right? So... Terry, Glenn, and Al go out to the hole because they have to read this Bible passage and close this thing up. They thought they did it earlier, but they didn't know that it was already fucking open at that point. So they go out to the hole. Terry says a prayer, but then falls in the hole and starts getting chewed on. Eventually, they get him out of the hole while the monsters are like biting him and shit. It's pretty gnarly, pretty spooky, a little bit horrifying. He's like yelling up, stop reading the Bible. You're just pissing them (laughs) off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he also, he bitch slaps a demon pretty good, but the demons, they got strength in numbers. So I pose this question to you. Would you rather fight 200 minion-sized Terry's or one Terry-sized minion? Ooh, I think one Terry-sized minion because as long as you're equipped with either a model rocket or a Barbie doll, you should be fine against one Terry. <laughs> one solo Terry. I take a bunch. I take a bunch. When they eventually get Terry back out of this hole, and they can't figure out what to read. So Terry just chucks it right into the hole, man. <laughs> He's like, fuck it, I don't know. And blasts this Bible. Hey, Gideon, you do it. <laughs> Good stuff. I love it. It did explode. Yeah, but in a bad way. Yeah, it seems like they've done it. And they head back in the house. And they hear something. The Lee sisters are hiding in the closet. They said, we heard noises. And they, Al heads into the front room to investigate. And it's like the boys from earlier were hiding in a closet. We're like, oh, we brought beer, idiot. And then the Lee sisters, they come out and be like, yeah, Al, don't you want to party? And she's like, no, we just fought demons in the house. They were here. They were little. That one turned into little sperms and ran away. I don't want to fucking party now. And they're like, oh, quit being such a baby. So she's like, get the fuck out. And then they leave. They were right to leave. <laughs> well, they, everyone should left. Honestly, if everybody would have left, the world would have ended. So I'm glad they didn't all leave. Those girls are bad friends. That's what I'll say. But they would have been the two sacrifices, though. I think they saw the writing on the wall. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. But they think it's all over. Terry and Glenn are having a little retrospective in the basement. But uh, here's that dead workman who Terry made up, who's now real to the power of demons. And he grabs him. Glenn was in absolutely no hurry to help him out. They don't give Glenn a whole lot to do. They cut to him quite a few times. He's not moving or screaming or anything. He just stands there and watches them. No visible panic. Again, I guess what the idea is that this workman in the walls, we saw it in the course of an afternoon, but I'm guessing that this is a story that maybe Terry has told in my headcanon to Glenn before. So this is his actual boogeyman come to life. So he was so spooked that he could not help at all. And Terry gets got and sucked into the wall. So pretty cool. 
Yeah, the demons can obviously read minds because they know about Terry's dead mom. They know what Glenn's parents look like. They're really hitting our boy Glenn here with some serious psychic trauma. So I give him a pass on that one because when it comes to Al, though, he's fucking on it. He goes, oh, oh shit, they just got hurt. They need two sacrifices. Where's Al? And he shoots up the stairs to find her. And then the workman comes out. Al grabs a boom box and throws it at the workman's head. Yes. Knocks the workman to the ground, and then he turns into a bunch of little demons. The little demon boys. Yep, 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 mm-hmm. yep. And then, uh, yeah, a scary, a scary arm comes out from under the bed. They run out into to get the gun. Oh, yes. Al's holding the door shut. She sends Glenn to go get the gun. Glenn goes to get the gun, but then little zombie Terry's in there biting his hand. Oh, shit. Yes, yes, yes. And then Al comes to the rescue there and picks up a Barbie doll and oh god stabs Terry in the eye with the Barbie's legs. Oh. And that's enough to make little Terry zombie retreat. In the eye. So they're in the closet, they're trapped in, they're trying to load the gun up, and then the workman comes out again. Al is able to pop one off in his eye. That has been a scene in my brain ever since then. Freaks me out. She has now mutilated two eyes in that closet so far. Yeah, it doesn't do much good overall because the workman does get her, um, I believe, and disappears back into the wall. That must be where he karate chops the shotgun. Yes, yes, he karate chops the shotgun out of her hands and then grabs her by one leg. And I, I thought that this moment here was really good because what could you do? He just like bodies her. And in that moment, I think they did a good job of expressing helplessness. And this is when Glenn takes a little tumble and comes up with a plan. He's in his room. And then every time Thunder hits, his poster rolls down. You can see the lightning in his poster. It's a really neat effect there. He sees the jar of live moths and throws it out the window, sort of never-ending story style. Screams out, Moonchild, kind of. At the gigantic funnel that is now shooting up from the hole in the ground. As we've seen in the Book of the Damned, yeah, there's going to be a big funnel and then a big boy demon. I love that. Like, he just starts getting courage, and then the big boy demon comes out. He decides that they need to shoot a vessel of light into the hole, and he's like, oh, it's a rocket because we've been doing rocket stuff with Al, whatever. He doesn't get to it in time, and this big demon comes out of the hole. And I don't know. I guess because... He was the first one to put his blood in. He's like the summoner in this situation because they read the translation and did the incantation or whatever. But the big demon comes out, looks at him, and gives him a little head pat. Goes, ooh, 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 ooh. And then that's it. That's it. He's gone. He like goes back in the hall. He scoops him up real quick. And then, yeah, Glenn says, please. And then he, he disappears. And I got to question the dedication of that big demon man. Okay. Because he could end the whole thing if he just iced Glenn right then. But he comes up and puts the eyeball in his hand. I don't know, but I just think you're a big demon like that. It's easy to get complacent. Could it be that since Glenn did the summoning, that if he killed Glenn in that moment, then would the portal like close because it's Glenn's like spell? Would he not be able to open it all the way? I wonder if they really thought that far into it. I think so. I think it would have undid the magic. Why else would he not kill him in that moment? Because he goes to kill him and then he gives him a little head pat because he is a vessel of pure light he's very selfless at this moment when he throws that moth thing he says take me instead you know Mm -hmm. not my friends Mm -hmm. and my sister but he does get a little gift and he gets an eyeball in his boo-boo where his splinter got him and then we get another uh eye mutilation a shard of broken glass jammed right through his hand three eyes in 30 seconds (laughs) he also pops his dad's eyes too that's the other thing you know with the melting head more eye damage to go around. So Glenn's, he knows what he's got to do now. He finds the big rocket, the Thunderbolt or Thunderbird or something, but he can't get it lit. But then he remembers, oh my goodness, my present to Al, which is kind of like a present for him, a detonator or whatever. So he he's trying to get the thing and he can't light it and he can't shoot the big old demon. And then he finally gets the box and he hooks it up. And then, oh, this is a pretty good 80s joke. Batteries not included. (laughs) But seriously, this scene took like 10 fucking minutes of him trying to launch this rocket. And when they got to the, but now he needs to find batteries, I almost turned the movie off. If I wasn't watching it for this thing, when they, it took so long that I would have just stopped watching right there. So he finally gets it enough already. (laughs) And then after he finally gets it, the Hell Knight head patter comes back 
Glenn pushes the buttons. Oops. Rocket in your chest. He gets imbued with Glenn's pure light or whatever. And my boy Glenn goes flying. The alternative is that it's a faulty rocket and there's a sizable explosive payload on it. (laughs) Also possible. But he flips out like a stiff wooden cutout flipping in circles. It's the craziest effect in any movie. Like they did such a good job with every other effect. I believe the effect is called butthole over elbow. Yeah, yeah, yes. He went asshole over tea kettle. (laughs) (laughs) They've put him in a rig and have just took a video of him spinning topsy-turvy. They paid attention to every other effect except for that one. Did they run out of time? I think they thought it was pretty cool, but I did laugh. I like very hard. I only laughed more at like other ADR parts. The ADR is very good, but that's it. He blasted this demon with that rocket of hope, killed him, sealed the hole, set off a quick firework display, and uh, now we're in epilogue territory. Everybody's back, baby. Everybody's back. Dog's alive again. Even Angus. The house isn't back, though. Interestingly, they did do the, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're alive, Angus, before they did have the taxidermist put him down. (laughs) That's they had to shoot it out of order. So that was nice for him. Well, no, we never said that Angus is the dead dog, just that there is a dead dog. Very clean likeness of Angus. It'd probably be harder to get a dead dog than to make a dead dog. You said that so unclearly, and I'm glad. (laughs) how does one make a dead dog there's a lot of ways any amount of chocolate really Uh, yeah little syringe unfortunately that's how it normally does so that's it movie's over everybody's alive I mean except for Angus rip but in the best and probably my favorite moment of the ADR we're talking about was a boo is a hell uh, like a crane shot we're pulling back from the house everything's fine the holes closed up they're all hugging and uh, every everything and Glenn says you're my best friends hey guys you're my best friends <laughs> you're my best friends you you passed up there's a new tree growing in the hole Angus finds Terry's shoe that was down there with the demons chewing on it I'm glad we did close those loops up Thanks, Dave. <laughs> but yeah, the, it's leading up to that second movie that there you go. I'm going to have to watch, aren't I? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to watch it this week. Okay, well, follow up and um, then, okay, so, so watch it this week, then record like 20-second summation slash review and let us know if you think that we should watch it and then we'll cut to that now. So I finished watching The Gate 2. I would definitely say give it a watch if you liked the theme from the first movie, but you wanted a little bit of a mature version of the first one. It's pretty solid. It's not exactly the scariest movie I've ever seen, but I would definitely recommend giving it a watch all the way past the credits at the end. All right, Nerdbot, thank you for that little editing magic. Oh, so we know exactly what they've for sure just said. Now, this movie may have been based on a comic. I don't know. I didn't look it up because it's not a comic movie. It's not a part of the thing. We don't have a comic convergence. What uh, will we have? It's spooky or spoopy, baby. I love it. I, I, it's not even just a little love anymore. It's full on. I love Spooky or Spoopy now. It's, it's grown on me. No, now I don't believe you. Now I don't believe you. It does, nothing grows on anyone that fast, okay? So I think you secretly liked it to begin with. I think, I think you liked it all the time. I started to like it in the beginning. No, I think you liked it from jump. And you acted no, like no, you no. didn't like it so that you could have this turn <laughs> right now. <laughs> the character progression. I, I've been setting it up for a month. No, I liked it. And then I was like, no, it is from 2012. Maybe it should go away. And then every time Reed said it, I started to like it a little bit more. I never did. No, Sam never liked it. He still doesn't. Whether you like the bit or not, Sam, do you think this movie was spooky or spoopy? I don't know. What's the, what's the delineation there again? Was it really scary or was it just goofy? 
I don't know. What's that? It's, I mean, is it good? Should we watch it? Was it good? I mean, I liked it. It's a, it's a fun movie. I, I like that style of movie, but like, I, at no point in time was I, did I get scared by it. You were not spooked. I was more scared by Dr. Giggles, not just Dr. Giggles, that poodle barking jump scare, than I was by this whole movie. Nothing took me by surprise, but the effects were incredible. I think it sort of captures that joy of the family-friendly horror flick. You know, there's a couple gross things, but nothing so bad that, I mean, Grandma could watch this one and she'd probably walk away without being phased. All right. Would you call, do you think this this is a, like, is it? I'm not going to say the word, if that's what you're asking me to do. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, I, what I want, you, what I'm just asking, I don't care. I, you know, you don't need to approve of it. It's already a thing. Um, I, I'm just wondering, would you, would you put this in a category of a scary movie or is it just a, you know, a, a movie to watch? It's not scarier than Gremlins. I think it's just a horror light. The spooky or spoopy, it's very, it's a very loose system, but I think this is good. I think it's a good a horror movie because it has all the tropes, but like you said, it is light. I think there's enough gross out in the eye stuff and in the effects that this should be a scary movie if you like scary movies this could be this is a good halloween watch even if it wasn't like a a scary movie to me i can still enjoy it because it's got creature effects it's weird but i think that this would still qualify as um a movie to watch during the halloween the effects are great yeah i would never i would never say they were bad or that the movie was bad even i thought the acting was really good the stakes were low everybody lived which is not normal for a horror movie except for Terry's mom. Womp womp. Well, Terry's mom died off screen. Yeah. If she would have died to the demon, she would still be alive because the demon didn't kill forever if you got undid. But I thought it was a spooky movie. I think all of the eye damage, all of the, like, even if it's light witchcraft, the witchcraft that worked in the middle of the movie, I thought it was spooky. The dead dog getting danced around with by a preteen. That was All that stuff is kind of, like, off-putting. This is definitely a spooky movie for me. I think I agree. I think this is a spooky movie, and I think that... This would be a great training wheels scary movie. Do you have like a youngin who's trying to break into scary because there's enough there's enough in this and that's why I I'll vote spooky on this one as well. There's mm-hmm. enough like hardcore horror movie stuff in here. I mean, the stakes are not light because I mean, it's going to be a demon invasion, but there are still stakes for these characters. It works out in the end because it is a PG-13. But I think the stakes are are pretty real. Glenn at the end there is acting under the assumption that his best friend and sister are dead and the world's about to end. So if you got someone on the cusp, because there's spooky stuff, there's stuff that'll keep a kid up at night. Absolutely. This and like Ghostbusters, that's a good one. There's enough scary in it, but enough funny in it to make it not really scary. That's definitely a good one. All right. Well, a resounding spooky. All right. So now, what we can, we can't talk about a comic convergence, but we can do our favorite segment. Who's your hero? Who's your villain? My obvious hero is Glenn. Glenn is decidedly the unflappable, solid person throughout this entire movie. He gets flapped. He gets flipped. He gets flipped. He gets flapped. (laughs) He gets flipped. (laughs) He gets flapped. He gets slipped and slapped. I think Stephen Dorff, the child actor, is doing work. A solid textbook hero. He knew what he had to do. He figured out a plan even when he was in trouble, and he saved the day. My hero is the effects department. Crushed it. The dudes in the little rubber suits. Mm-hmm. Oh, those, those tiny gentlemen. Those guys are real heroes. I can only imagine how uncomfortable that suit would be. Very moist. From the shots I saw, I feel like there's a couple of them, too. It's not just, yeah. like, one or two guys doing it a couple of times. I think there's, like, five or six of these fools. I'm, I'm guessing, like, 20. Yeah. I'm guessing they made a bunch of latex suits and just said, strap them on. I love those little Covered boys. Covered in aquifer and inside of a rubber suit. My hero, I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with Al. I get her. She's running around the house, putting coasters down. She's, she's saving vases. But then... As soon as, like, demons start coming out of the wall, she steps up big time. She's the queen of improvised weapons. That was... Oh, yeah. And unlike most women in 80s horror movies, she was not going to get taken down. No! She was like, I'm done. This demon shit is over. I think she has the best character arc because she starts out telling her parents, I'm responsible enough to take care of me and Glenn. 
I can do this. And Terry. Then she kind of blows it and has a big party. And then eventually she steps up Mm -hmm. and she gets got, but not before she basically does the whole first half of all the spooky stuff. And Glenn just steps up at the very end. But she's my hero, Al. Her relationship with Terry was tenuous at best, but she didn't really (laughs) hesitate to stab the zombie Terry in the eye with the Barbie doll without even thinking twice about whether or not that might actually pop his eye whenever he does come back, if he comes back. She just said, this guy's a done deal. I got a Barbie with a sharp foot. He's got an eye with a gooey, nougaty center. She's who I want in my zombie apocalypse team. The way Krista Denton. That sounds like a mint. (laughs) Have a Krista Denton. (laughs) It's like a toothpaste. The way Total Care Krista Denton picks up the Barbie, and there's like a moment before she stabs him where she looks at the Barbie and like looks at the feet and like grips it. And I'm like, in that moment, you're like, oh my God, is she gonna? And then she does. The look on her face, she's like, I gotta stab this eyeball. I don't know. I gotta stab this child's eyeball. I hate, I always hated Terry. Also, I know why this is one of Dave's picks. Because <laughs> yeah. this is... A preteen got... got. Yeah. <laughs> also, for her role, though, the, in The Gate, Krista Denton did win an award for the Best Young Actress in a nice. Horror Motion Picture at the 9th Annual Youth and Film Awards. Well, that's a fun fact. I got a fun fact for you, too. Ooh. At that point, the body double for Terry was too heavy, so they did take him to a taxidermist to have his organs removed. So that he was easier to carry. <laughs> so it was easier to carry out. Later yeah. in the movie. But they cut out the scenes where they were carrying the dead Terry. All right, villain. Uh, see, if someone's got one loaded, I don't want to say, but uh, on the spot, I, I gotta got to pick loaded. those Lee sisters. Oh my God, they suck. They're awful. They're extremely rude. They are the pits. They're also cowardly. And then immediately bail on her. And they're not going to have any fun drinking with those boys after they were just attacked by demons. Like, what's, where's your head at? I don't know. Lee's sisters, they're my villains. Well, the one with the upturned hair, the other one was just along for the ride. So I have several villains, so I'll just list them off. No, no I gotta, just uh, pick the You one. go first, Dave. Oh, you get, you go one, and then you list the rest okay. of them. You get one, and I'll list the rest. Everybody's missing. <laughs> my villain is the extremely neglectful construction company who left a massive hole in the back of someone's house that they were paid to fix. That's no way. They would know that that's like a structural problem, though. Yeah, they would at least have to to report that it was a structural problem. Terry climbed out of that hole for a solid 20 minutes. I don't know. I think they were they were tree removal because the tree was gone. It didn't look just like a tree cutting service, though. So they were picking up the, the tree by the root. They should have at least reported it to the father that there was a, like, 12-foot hole. Who's to say they didn't? They did. Well, well, he knew about the hole because he because he made Glenn fill it in before he could go to bed. Yeah, they put sod over it. They just rolled some sod over it. And we're like, peace out. <laughs> no, the real villain then must be Glenn's dad because he, if he looked at that hole, he would have known that there's no way Glenn could fill that fucker in. All right, then I'll go with the construction company along with Glenn's dad. Yeah. Okay. So that was going to be one of mine. Glenn's dad, obviously, <laughs> Terry's dad, who's on his bus in his trip. Because, I mean, you at least owe your kid to tell him before yeah. you leave, like, in person. You're just, like, leaving a note on your fridge. He's a little and the house was in complete disarray. <laughs> Obviously a very bad dad. I mean, sure, he's going through it, but so is Terry, you know? <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of business? He has to think about Terry. And he's clearly not going on a business trip. He can't spell business. Maybe he's in the whole film business. And business is good. <laughs> business is good. That's that's for the, the gape. But, um... Ugh... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jesus. Yeah, maybe, okay, so maybe Terry's dad is also going on that swinger trip. They're all coming together. That's the tagline. Um, Mm -hmm. My second villain is Sacrifix. Dark book. You know, it's bad enough whenever a band's shtick is like, they're like this demonic what have you, and like, you know, they they know the real secrets of the underworld, etc. But I take this as a Jennifer's Body kind of situation where where the band did that so they could make it big, and they didn't know they were going to die right after. I don't know, man. My point is, they found this nasty book, and they must have known it was real because they even backmasked inside the thing, like, what you're supposed to say to close the gate. My question is, did they open the gate in the first place, and that's how their plane went down? Like a gremlins on the wing kind of thing? The record company produced that book. But then in their dying, because they're the ones who summoned the demon, 
since they died, the demon also died. The Glenn of it all. To your point, that, that why would that big demon keep Glenn alive? Yeah, there you go. He learned his lesson. Because I'm thinking, like, if those demons came about then, how come the world didn't end then? But, yeah, so maybe the the blood sacrifices were too many. Or, like Terry said, he did the math, he checked the star charts, everything was aligned. Maybe they did it at the wrong time, and it wasn't aligned. I don't know. That seems like as bad as ending the world as getting yourself killed. You, as far, it's the end of your world. Anyway, my next villain is the <laughs> rocket manufacturer for allowing that to be such a powerful explosion. That huge payload. That then blew the house up. My next villain is Al because she said she could handle everything. She had many opportunities to call her parents and say, uh, actually, no, I can't handle anything. Uh, and she doesn't. She stops Glenn from calling their parents whenever Glenn should have probably called the parents. The levitating probably should have been enough. The dog had died. In her defense, slightly, you know, what good are they going to do? Like telling them that the dog's dead is just going to ruin the last day of their vacation. Of their bone fest. And he's going to still be dead the next day whenever they could have found out. But still, just the same. There were many opportunities to call and try to get help. And they didn't call the cops. They didn't seek any adults. There, I don't think there was an adult in this movie except for their parents. And the dead mom, yeah. And none of them were named. So the parents didn't have names, like I said. And, and <laughs> neither did mom, dad, and Terry's dead mom. That's what she was credited as, Terry's dead mom. <laughs> mom, dad, and Terry mom. Oh, jeez. An alternate hero would be Terry, who is the only reason why the thing, the gate was ever able to be closed. Because if he had he not come back to Glenn and said, like, hey, we got to close all this stuff up. Didn't he read the incantation? Oh, yeah, he translated it from that. Etch a sketch thing. No, well, because Glenn read it though. But he did get the geode out. And he had the book, and they said the incantation mm-hmm. to start the whole thing because he wrote it out. He translated it. Glenn read it out loud. They're like chanting. Fact remains, like there are many villains in this movie, very few heroes. Very adequate box office. Even operating under the $6 million budget, the opening weekend was 4.2, May 17th, 1987. Gross. Worldwide, I'm showing at 13.5. So, yeah, man, they more than doubled their money. That's why there's a sequel. Justified a sequel. Now, critical reception. It got a 60% on the Tomatometer, which is not terrible for an 80s horror movie, and a 44% audience score, which is not great for a horror movie. It seems kind of rare that the critics like it more than the audience in uh, like a superhero or horror or comedy, something that isn't tearing at your heartstrings. 6.1 on IMDb as well. Do we think people should check this out? Um, I think this is a pretty great movie. Honestly, I think it's worth a watch. If you watch horror movies, I think sit down and watch this one. It's stupid enough. It's goofy enough. And I think it's there's enough in there, like with the eyeball stuff and some of the special effects are worth checking this one out. What do you guys think? I absolutely love this movie. I think everybody should should watch it in their Halloween time. It's great. <laughs> in their Halloween time. Anything after the 4th of July is Halloween time. So what do you think, Sam? Do you think people should watch this one? Yeah, I think people should be forced to. They should be held down, eyes taped open, clockwork <laughs> orange style. And no, actually, I really thought it was I thought it was solid. There's a lot to be said, but I already said most of it. You know, the effects are cool. The actors are good. They did fine. There, there wasn't any, like, actor... Like the little kids in Swamp Thing that made me go like, oh my God, just get them off the screen. There's a comical side story where a guy takes a dead dog to a vet and then decides that since the vet's closed, I'm going to take it back to this person's house and throw it into, <laughs> uh, into, a, into a huge hole. Any old hole do for that guy. Oh, that's the gape again. Sorry. That's the other <laughs> thing for the gape. Yes. <laughs> Any old hole, any old hole I can find. All right, well, that resounding appeal for The Gate. So absolutely check this one out this holiday season. All right, no mini episodes. We're hitting you with a full movie next week. We'll be watching and reviewing Sam's pick. What'll it be, Sam? In the Mouth of Madness, a little John Carpenter joint. Oh, yes. Uh, 1994. This will be a fresh watch for me. Yes, yeah, Sam Neill. I'm, I'm excited. You're going to love it, man. It's pretty solid. It's the third installment in Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, preceded by The Thing Ooh. and Prince of Darkness. Oh, nice. Um, very cool. I'm about to watch the whole set, I think. Oh, yeah. Prince of Darkness is another 
pretty wild one. It's got Donald Pleasance in it. Oh, man. John Carpenter likes Pleasance. Donald Pleasance. Who wouldn't love a Pleasance? He's in the first Halloween movies, too. Dr. Loomis. So that's, that's John Carpenter flick. This is another one where I suggest you, you actually watch it. Give her a watch beforehand. I think that is solid advice. So that is In the Mouth of Madness. That will be next week. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, hope to let us know what you thought of this episode. We'll Maybe we'll talk about that quickly. Oh, no, shit, we can't. Uh, let us know what you thought of The Gate um, and what you think about In the Mouth of Madness. Have you seen it yet? Is this, are, are either of these movies ones you've heard of before this? Let us know. Reach out and hit us up. You can email us at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or you can hit us on our Twitter at nerdaplexypod, helmed by our social media manager and spooky special guest, Dave. Hit me at the face of Dave for some hideous, filthy, unspeakable stuff. <laughs> uh, I am at PGH underscore read. I'm uh, maybe posting some more movie, uh, some more music and uh, concert footage. Sam, what about you? Uh, you can reach me at pgh underscore svh. Uh, you might be very surprised at the amount of content that that <laughs> Twitter handle has. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for listening. Check out In the Mouth of Madness. Until we meet again, I'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. I mean, we could all just read out the Be Gone, Thou Art Hideous, Filthy, Unspeakable, and play it backwards. Yeah, before, before we leave you, we like to close the gate. <laughs> well, yeah, we should probably, we we should probably close the gate. We, what is the whole thing? Be Gone, Thou Art Hideous, Filthy, Unspeakable. Be Gone, Thou Art Hideous, Filthy, Unspeakable. Be gone, thou art hideous, unfilthy, uh, un, uh, unspeakable. Get, get out, get, get, get out, get out of here. Stop it. You say unspeakable, and then we can cut it all over top, and we'll all be saying it at the same time like we're real cultists. Uh, unspeakable. Well, yeah, I'm going to do it, man. Yeah. I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm do just doing this for you guys Flip that thing now. in reverse. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to slap. No, I'm going to slap.